You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs. Welcome to the Business Wilderness. My name is Amre Wuhui and today I have a very special guest with me, Mr. Tre- Mr. Trevor Townsend, CEO of Startup Bootcamp Australia. Trevor, welcome to the show. Hey, Alan, welcome. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Trevor, let's go back a few years, take me back in time. Where did it all begin for you? Where did it begin for me? Um, well, I'm a techo by heart, really. So I started my career in um, working in computer operations, actually. Um, and then um, I moved into into finance and worked at uh, National Australia Bank, where I worked in the treasury area looking after um, complex financial products. Um, that, that led me into um, more deeper technical roles, working... Um, across a number of groups where we used to look after all the systems that ran all the kind of interfaces that things like ATMs use and FPOS terminals and telephone banking and so forth. I ran that group for a while and then um, I was lucky to be pulled onto a project that uh, was digitising the trading rooms. So trading rooms used to be like TVs, like the old analogue TVs. And they used to have all these analogue screens um, and they, you get, they would get prices on them and they would, um, you know, ring people up and do trades. And so what we did is we um, put in the first digital system into National Australia Bank uh, way back in the, in the mid-90s. And, um, and through, that, through that process, um, I got involved in a US-based startup called TIPCO. And um, anyway, I joined them in the first 100 employees and ended up running Asia for them. And... Uh, yeah, essentially that's where my um, my tech career started. Amazing. And now, wh- where are you currently now? So now I run a company called Startup Bootcamp. So Startup Bootcamp, we help innovators, um, usually startup founders or entrepreneurs, we help them scale their business. And we do that by connecting them with corporate partners, with mentors who understand how to run a business or experts in their field, and with investors who can provide the capital. Um, and I got into startup boot camp due to my love of both technology and business. So I've been through Tipco, and then I had a consulting company which I built up and sold that to a ASX-listed um, company here called SMS Management and Technology, where I ran their systems integration division for a couple of years and built that line of business up strongly for them. But during that time, I started to get involved in startups, mentoring, advising startups, um, and also spun out a number of our own startups as well, from um, my own companies. Um, so I really love kind of startups. I really love early stage businesses. I'm a creator, I suppose. I love a blank sheet of paper and trying to make something work. Um, and Startup Bootcamp gives me the opportunity to work with entrepreneurs who are doing that. So I love creating businesses and to work with other people who are creating businesses is um, you know, just a lot of fun. 
Awesome. So you sound like you've been in the whole startup scene for many, many years. You would have seen many transitions, trends, patterns. Tell us a bit about what you've seen over all these years and where and where we're currently heading. So I think you know we're um, you know we're in a very good place in terms of you know startups and and digital. So you know in the early days it was very difficult to create a startup that the costs um, to create the software you know you used to have to buy your own servers. Uh, you didn't have the same level of development tools that you had now, the same amount of libraries. You know, creating a decent front end, you'd have to code the whole thing yourself. But, you know, to build what we call an MVP today, which would normally, you know, could take a couple of weeks for a startup, you know, would be a massive project. You know, it could take six months, could take 12 months. Um, and you'd have to try and find capital um, to do that at early stage. So... Um, nowadays, um, you know, the trends are, you know, we have so much software available. We have the likes of AWS where, you know, I can spin up a server for next to nothing. You know, I can spin up a website in, in, in an hour to test something for customers. Um, I can build things really, really quickly. So now, you know, people are set free to, um, to try new business models, to try different things in the market very cheaply, very, very quickly. So what we see with that is obviously proliferation of startups you know, coming out, lots of people trying different things, which is fantastic. Um, I mean, we see all of those startups just, you know, cumulatively pushing forward to generate, you know, the next and what's next and so forth. They're in a massive rate of change um, through what the software stacks and things like machine learning, artificial intelligence, blockchain, um, you know, along with cloud hosting and all of these things, all these technologies um, allow us to do. Um, so trends, uh, much, much easier, uh, much faster, which allows us to be much more customer-centric because we can focus on trying to produce something of value to the customer and testing that very, very quickly rather than spending a lot of time worrying about technology infrastructure. Moving forward, well, moving forward, um, you know, I read a quote the other day, which was software is eating the world and AI is eating software. So if we think of AI and machine learning, the ability to take data and then produce new results out of the data, and make decisions based on the data and create new algorithms and, um, and value out of the data, you can see how AI can you know, eat software itself. So that, that's the kind of really interesting thing that, again, the speed, and, you know, as the AI tools get better and better, the machine learning tools get better and better, um, and the processing power gets faster and faster, then the ability of, you know, computers to generate their own software based upon your hypothesis of what's needed and so forth um, is immense. So... Um, yeah, hold on, we're going faster. Awesome. Um, I mean, you guys uh, basically come across many entrepreneurs uh, through yeah. your accelerators and different programs and so on and so on. And you see so many different personalities, you see so many different types of businesses. What's some words of advice or some tips that you can give entrepreneurs in their early days or in 
when they're starting to grow, so on, so on, so on. Just some general advice. Obviously, it differs from business to business. Yeah, sure. So when we recruit for one of our programs, so we run accelerator programs where we bring 10 companies in for a three-month period. When we recruit for those programs, uh, just to give you an idea of the numbers, we talk to or interact with about 10,000 startups. Wow. We meet and meet face-to-face with three to 400 of those startup founders. And then through that process, then we whittle that down to 10 startups that um, we bring into a program. So we get to meet lots of founders um, of startups with lots of different ideas and so forth. So, you know, the advice that I would give to entrepreneurs and founders is, you know, um, make sure you're doing something, you know, that you really love and that you've been, you've built up a body of knowledge in. Yeah, that you have some expertise and that you've done the research and you, and you know why you're doing it and you know why this is your passion. Um, because running a startup is very, very difficult and you know, your chances of success um, are quite low um, in statistical terms. Um, so what we look for is we look for people who have a real drive and passion to succeed. But there is an adage which says um, that a um, that a bad team will fail with a really great idea, but a great team will pivot its way to success, even if the idea that they started with is maybe mediocre. Yeah? Slack. Yeah, because they can you know they can get advice if they're open to getting advice. They can keep pivoting until they they land on what what the customer values. Whereas a team who can't execute or runs out of steam because they don't really have the passion for what they're doing, i.e. they thought this was a quick money maker or something like that, um, they'll run out of steam and run out of ideas um, before they succeed. Wow. Um, what, what are some, some traits or other traits that you see in successful startups? I mean, because you've seen so many. Give us a couple of successful, give us a couple that are not not not, not successful. I talk about um, founding teams, right? That, that's quite um, interesting. So we typically, nearly in all cases, select startups into our program where there's one or more founders working together. And the reason why we do that is, you know, usually one person comes up with an idea or maybe one or two people come up with an idea brainstorming. Um, but if you're unable to convince one other person um, to be your co-founder to work on your dream with you, right? If you can't convince one person to do that, how are you going to convince the world that this is a great idea? And how are you going to convince everybody else that you need? So we, we really question if we see a solo founder, we really question, well, A, that one person is not going to have, going to have all the skills necessary. And B, are they the sort of person who can build a team? Because the team is going to win. You know, it's unlikely to be one person who's going to, um, you know, create a fantastic, you know, product and do it all by themselves. You know, um, they're going to need to build a team around them, right? So we like to see evidence of that early on. You know, so who are they working with and why, and who have they got on on their side? Yeah, and and how who are they attracted to work with them and under what conditions? That's kind of really interesting, and you know when you see solo founders, solo founders, and 
when we work with them, a lot of times you find that actually the reason why they're a solo founder is because maybe they're a bit pig-headed or a bit, uh, you know, always right and um, they can't take on advice very well. Uh, they don't like people challenging their view, you know, all of these traits which make people hard to work with and oftentimes, you know, you can see that in the fact that they haven't been able to convince, you know, two or three, you know, good people to kind of roll up their sleeves and work for them in an early stage startup. So, um, you know, for us, you know, that team issue and, you know, have I picked people with complementary skills, i.e. not just someone who looks and sounds and fits exactly like I do, you know, so I might be a great full-stack developer or I might be a great person in the energy sector who knows all about the ins and outs of the business, but have I teamed up with a great technical person or a great marketing person if I'm doing B2C or whatever to, to, to get a really good, strong team that can get through those early stages together and get the early stage company up and running. Wow. Very, very wise words. Very, very true. Um, working with people is probably one of your greatest assets, especially being involved in a startup and so on, especially yeah. early days when resources are very thin. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And you can't just go out and buy some, you know, go out and buy someone to do something if you've got very little money to do it with, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Okay, um, so let's let's go back to um, your your journey. I mean, it's been quite quite a comprehensive one. If you could go back, would you do anything differently? I do so much differently. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> I would do many, many things differently than I have in in, in written. Definitely. Um, what what would those things be? Um, I think um, being more strategic about what you're doing and where you're spending your time and why why you're spending your time there would be the the, the main uh, thing. Um, I've learned over the years and talking to many, many CEOs is that you know, we can all be very, very busy um, and we all have a lot of stuff to do in our day and so forth. But getting those learnings about, okay, how do I decide at the start of each day, the start of each week, the start of each month, what are the big things that I really need to do to drive my business or my career, my startup forward, and then Am I going to allocate the time every day to work on those big rocks to make them happen, to actually focus in on the things that I really need to do to add value rather than being busy doing lots of things that, and lots of distractions and things like that. So if I had my time again, I'd be much more um, selfish with my time in terms of where I spent it and why I spent it in various various because um, that's the thing that you really can't get back, yeah? Um, and a lot of us just get caught up in meetings and going to meet, greet people, and networking is very important, um, but meeting and greeting and have no real purpose to what they're doing. And you need to do lots of things as a startup CEO, but you, all, you need to be focused every day on, okay, I need one or two things that I must do today, they're going to advance my cause in the right way. Yep. Wow. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Trevor, 
Thank you so much. You've been amazing. A lot of insight, a lot of experience to, to learn from, many tips. Before I let you go, I want one more last tip, takeaway. One more last takeaway. If you want to talk to me, at Trevor Townsend on Twitter, send me a direct message and I can answer your question, whatever it is. That was never the next line, but anyway, you, you beat me to it. Ladies and gentlemen, Trevor Townsend, CEO of Startup Bootcamp Australia, thank you very much for joining me on the Business Wilderness. My pleasure. Thank you very much. You are listening to the Business Wilderness, the voice of entrepreneurs.